The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the community college and graduate school of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who's destined to clean up my messes. Josh, how are you doing? Doing good. Turn the heat on today. So could be it's on doing well i turn it's like the warmest day of the week here but uh knowing i'm gonna be away and it's gonna be very cold this weekend i figured i would get it because we have one of those old school furnaces where it has a pilot and usually it shoots a flame through the ceiling when you turn it on the first time after (laughs) and when it's on it's on until it's not gonna be on anymore it's gonna be on for a long time yep yep (laughs) so josh a couple important things at the top number one we are recording this way early from when it's being released. Yeah. So we're actually recording the day before Halloween and it's coming out. It's coming out sometime in November of this podcast. <laughs> Number two, hmm. I think it's important to note that you were the one who wrote the intro this week, <laughs> that I am not taking shots at you, <laughs> that you took a shot at yourself and made me say it. Yes. And I, why are we, what, what's with the, what's with the community, community college and graduate school? What What's the combo there? Like, I know what our topic of the show is, but why were those the two comparing my educational background to yours. Oh, okay. I mean, I work <laughs> at a community college. For sure, but I went to one. <laughs> That's okay. I work at one. I think community college is great. And um, I don't know if you completed graduate school, but I just assumed that that would be a uh, comparable level of education <laughs> for us. Well, I, I, I mean, I... I do have my master's degree. So okay, technically, so. I did. Yeah, complete a graduate school. Yeah, <laughs> so I was right. So you were. You were absolutely correct. Pretty good so. for a college, community college. <laughs> Flunky. <laughs> so real. This is really funny. I think it's funny. When I was young, um, and I was dating someone, uh, they came with. I have a sister who's ten years younger than me. So when I was in college, I was dating someone, and they came with me to. My younger sister, she was doing it was, it was like her graduation or something from elementary school back when they did those in those days. So anyway, we're at this event and it's at my younger sister's elementary school, which is the same elementary school I went to. And I was talking to the person I was dating about how, oh yes, where I went to school, you know, it's not the best school, the gym and the cafeteria are the same thing, and that how there's never gym classes at lunchtime because of that. We were talking about all of this stuff. And the person I was dating, she had happened to go to private school for elementary, middle school, high school. She did the whole private school thing. And so I was making some jokes about, you know, the education I received here probably wasn't as good as yours. And if you're looking at my school, it's probably in far more shambles than your school ever was. And she goes to me. She's like, I wouldn't say that at all. I had to take gym. my gym class was in a Quonset hut. And I looked at her and said, you know, see, my public education was so bad. I don't even know what a Quonset hut is. Which I now know what one is, but at the time I had no idea what a Quonset hut was. And that was one of the best jokes I have think I have ever told. <laughs> was in the moment coming up with a great piffy response to that. I was pretty excited. 
Hold on quickly. Google's Quonset hat. <laughs> I didn't even spell it right. <laughs> that's okay. But as soon as you see it, you'll know what it is. So. Ah, that's a good place yeah. for a gym class. I know. I didn't think that was too bad. What is she so. complaining about? <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, other side note. Uh, we got a little recognition. Well, PSVG got a little recognition this week. Yeah. That was, that was a pretty big, cool thing, huh? Well, you know, I thought it was cool. And then I saw Colin Moriarty retweeting that same article. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> maybe it's a bigger deal than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not familiar, listener, Twinfinite did a top 15 video game podcast you should be listening to. And it was all the big hitters that you'd expect. The, you know, kind of funny and what's good games and sacred symbols and GameSpot and IGN. Uh, easy allies all of them were on this list and then little old psvg yeah was on the list as well so that was pretty exciting for all of us to be on uh, a list of podcasts with with all the really the big hitters of the people who do it for their jobs and their living and all of us just trying to scrape by and put together what we can with our heart and our desire and it's pretty exciting for all of us it's very cool. We we ourselves, we didn't get any new Twitter followers, I will say that, so I don't know how it affects us, but maybe PSVG did. <laughs> well, hey, rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yes. Well, Adam Raffle got us a, bun- uh, a few new followers, so I, I yes. appreciate... Uh, we should probably mention that, too. Adam Raffle gave us a shout-out in his last uh, contest giveaway, and he said, you know, to give us a listen as like a pay it forward to the community event so we, uh, we appreciate that adam very much adam uh, indeed adam has been a, a great supporter and we definitely appreciate it because he does a lot of great work as well so big thanks to him uh yeah so a lot of cool things happening in the in the podcast world and in the game world and this episode's gonna be a little different because like i said we are recording it super early we do have some notes to go off of but we'll kind of see where the show goes who knows what might happen uh, any other randomness you want to talk about before we actually start the show, before we start respecting our listeners' times, Josh? Oh, random stuff to talk about. Uh, I don't know. You, I, you don't need to hear about the life of a parent with a two-year-old, but it's tough right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not random. I mean, I was just playing Call of Duty before we jumped on here. Ooh, excellent. Uh, we do have a story about Call of Duty. Maybe we can yes. talk about it then. Awesome. Yes. Well, let's, let's get into things then. As always, thank you so much for joining us this week, everyone. If you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all of the amazing things over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. As I said at the top, we are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our podcast with someone else who you think might enjoy it as well. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So that's been all of the housekeeping. Josh, like we said, it is an odd week, so as we're recording so early. So we're going to couple cover a couple news stories, have a main topic, maybe talk a little bit about the games we're going to be playing, but it's not going to be quite as a of a rigid show as usual. But there is a couple board game stories. So Josh, what are they, sir? Well, let's start with the game that is quickly going to become the next Marvel Legendary with the amount of expansions that are added to it, Mystic Veil. 
The Mystic Veil, uh, well, AEG, sorry, announced uh, the Mystic Veil's next expansion will be called Nemesis. That's going to add some new advancements, uh, some more Veil cards, of course, uh, some more cra- which give you crafting options. Uh, however, there will also be leaders that are taking the form of uh, Titan or Titans that can be upgraded. It's also adding curse tokens. That was uh, more curse tokens, sorry, that was introduced in Twilight Garden. Um, but the biggest, and according to Dice Tower News, the most significant change is the introduction of Nemesis cards, which allows for a new variant for a solitaire game. Does a solitaire version of Mystic Veil excite you like it does me? Well, I do love me some Mystic Veil, and I do think a solitaire version is something that, on the surface, sounds amazing. Sounds like something I want to play. Then I have to be realistic with myself about how often I play solitaire board games. Yeah. And it's not very often. But I really want to play this one because I do love Mystic Veil. I do think it's interesting, too, they mentioned in the story that there's plenty of room for this new expansion in the giant yeah. conclave box. Which I have. <laughs> which obviously clearly means this is not the last of Mystic Veil expansions that we're going to be getting. Which is still as exciting as well because I do like the game, but... Oh, man, I like the idea in concept. I just don't know if I'm actually ever going to play it. Do you think you'll actually play this as a solo game? Well, let me tell you. So we've we talked about solo games before, and I'm generally not a fan of them. I think we just talked about them last episode. Right. Yep. Um, but what I will say, when I, when I am on board with a solitaire game is when I can learn the game to teach to someone else. So... Like, my wife and I have only played this game once. She loved it, mm-hmm. which is why we have that in all the expansions. But we haven't right. picked it back up again. So the fact that I could potentially get Nemesis, play it by myself a couple times, because, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's one thing to read the rules to someone or at someone, which generally is the, more of the case. Right, <laughs> Reading it for at sure. someone. Yeah. Um, so it's one thing to, to do that. It's another thing to watch videos, but to actually for me to be able to play this would give me a, that much of a much of a better understanding to teach it. So mm-hmm. I look forward to at least trying it. It might not, you know, it might be just like I, I think and not great um, just because you don't have the uh, other people, which is why we love board games, I think, uh, right. around you. Right. So it might not be for me, but I like that there's an option. Um, and I think I think more games should at least have an option. You you can go to board game geek and like people make their own uh, solo mode variants, but yep, it's nice definitely. to see a company putting it out like officially. Right, I do think how so you have all the expansions for Mystic Vale. Yeah, have you played any of them, or have you only ever played the base? Or you've only ever played the base game, and I'm and I'm terrified of what that next playthrough is going to look like. Right, are we going to play all are, the expansions, or are we going to try to sort out one? Like the, if the, I recall, the box gives you, you sorters. Right. If I recall, if you play the fir- if you add the first expansion, it doesn't really change much of anything. Yeah. It's just adding more cards, basically. Um, so if you wanted to just do that to get comfortable with things again, you could easily do that and then add expansion two and expansion three after that if you wanted. Yeah, I think we'll we'll probably try and it's something I would like to do where I get like a full day. Someone we get a babysitter, and then we can just kind of sit down and and 
play through pretty much everything because I know she'd be up for more games, my wife. Right. Um, and instead of like one of the other options was to um, learn Terra Mystica. Mm-hmm. And I would also want to give a day to that. But I think if I could get her into Mystic Vale before we go to PAX and give it a day, get a few of the expansions played and and kind of work that out. It's probably the best, so are you, I think. Are you planning to get this expansion then, even though you haven't played the others? Or are you going to wait and play them first? Uh, I mean, it's more of a collection thing at this point. Um, I'll get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, we have the we have the Conclave box. All the expansions are in it, and it still doesn't even fill a third of the box. Oh, goodness. It's insane. <laughs> so I wonder if that's their planned roadmap is filling that entire thing. You know what? I give them a lot of credit because I'm really mad at Smash Up from the same company who put right. out one big box and then I, f- I have almost filled that box and then they put out a, a bigger box that comes with an expansion in it. I don't... Right. Why am I... Wh- why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> I already have the big box. Now you put a bigger bigger box that's not like conclave makes me happy because that box is i know is good for maybe the life of the game which is nice it's it's just like a big big box yeah can i put my bigger box in it (laughs) can you are you able to no you can't (laughs) oh that's disappointing it would have been nice if it was only like 10 bucks more and then you could put (laughs) your other box in it right that would have made more sense but no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, let's move on to more news. Let's do it. This is more exciting to me because it's a, about a game I wanted to play that makes it more playable. And I do want to add one more thing after this that I didn't put in the notes because I just watched a Essen video. Um, so I'll talk about that after. Uh, Portal Games announces Detective Season 1. So Detective, a modern crime board game, is already very popular portal yes. game um, only rivaled by uh the other one the, are you talking about I'm the other bl- portal game or the other detective the, game? the detective game I'm chronicles of crime chronicles of crime thank you <laughs> so this this came out of essen uh so we have uh it's basically a easier version of detective i think to make to make it sound so simple uh, it's still fully cooperative it's one to five players uh, it's just it's less cases mm-hmm. and a and a shorter playtime, uh, which is nice. So it's it's about a third of the well, it's about half of the playtime of the first game. Um, and as Portal calls it, quote, perfectly tailored for a mystery game night, mm-hmm. which I like that idea because it's one of those things. I feel like w- if one person knows how to play the game, you're not asking too much of a commitment of too many other people. For right. a 90-minute game as opposed to a three-hour game. And this is a game that I've always wanted to play, but I know my game group that I have every once in a while would not want to play intentionally a three-hour game. What about you? Right. You don't have Detective, right? You have Chronicles of Crime? No, I don't have either of them. Oh, but you've played Chronicles of Crime? I No. No, which one I have want you to play? I, I want to play Chronicles of Crime. I haven't played either of these. Did you play a... Why do I think you played a detective game? I played like the Sherlock Holmes games. Now I feel like, well, I guess I'm confused. I thought there was one where you like reveal like potential suspects. Deception, murder, and Hong Kong? Yes, thank you. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that one I've played and have, but that's more of a party style game. 
Yes, which apparently this is what this one's going to (laughs) be. Right. It seems like a little more at least. Uh, I'm actually excited about this because, like you said, uh, this is I enjoy portal games, but the complexity of portal games is often what (laughs) trips me up along with the rule books of how they're written for better, for worse. I'm not saying I can write better rule books, but my goodness, trying to learn Robinson Crusoe. Oh, that was rough. And I really wanted to get Detective, but I was very scared off by that same thing. So looking at this, obviously season one, I assume we're going to have a season two to season three down the road. But that makes it interesting having it be the fully cooperative. That that one to five player count is great because it's something I can play over the holidays with family. So yeah, this is something I'm definitely interested in. And I think is a really kind of a cool way to take a game that is pretty heavy and pretty in-depth and make a more entryway or entry level version of the game and not that it has to be quote unquote easier but just something that's a little more friendly to get into uh than what the the big daddy is and maybe it's a game too that once you play this version getting into the actual detective game is something you'd want to do even more so yeah i'm interested in this i think this is kind of a cool unique thing for them to do so i i'm down for sure nice very cool. Okay, so I wanted to throw this last one in. So I was watching on YouTube. Um, oh, and I, I can't remember. Sorry, I'm forgetting the, the YouTuber's name. Uh, but they're a popular board game YouTuber, not Dice Tower. Um, they did their top 10 games at Essen. And mm-hmm. one of those games, that really, there's a few that caught my attention for sure. But the one that got my attention the most, have you heard of The King's Dilemma? I have not heard okay. of The King's Dilemma. Are you familiar with... Well, first I'll tell you, it's three to five players. Okay, so, so that's probably why, even if I have heard of it, I am... Yep. Uh, it says plays best four to five. Um, are you familiar with the game Reigns? Yes. So we, I know that they did a Kickstarter themselves. Uh, the King's Dilemma is essentially Reigns Legacy. Okay. So okay. you are playing. Uh, com- I want to say it's cooperative-ish because you're still making the same decisions as in rain rains. Mm-hmm. So you each have a house name and what you're doing. And now I'm just basing this off the video I saw, so it could be 100 percent wrong on some things. Um, actually, I'll read from from Board Game Geek. So it's an interactive narrative experience with legacy element elements. It features Uh, several branching storylines that lead to many possible finales and evolving deck of event cards. Um, You draw one card from the Dilemma deck each round and experience the game's story as it unfolds. Each card poses a problem that the council, so it is cooperative, uh, has to resolve on the king's behalf. As members of the king's inner circle, your decisions determine how the story proceeds uh, and the fate of the game. Each event happens only once, and then after, once a game, this is me now, uh, once a game session is over, that's the reign of that king. Okay. And then a new, the next game is a new king. However, the decisions made, you have to sometimes put your name on a decision you made, mm-hmm. and it could come up in future uh, games. So, like, even right. if you pick someone where that person, like, died, maybe you mm-hmm. have, like, a descendant of that person coming to like revenge them or, or or something to that act and you have to still struggle with um army feeding your people right um wealth uh well-being 
um, and seeking an advantage to your own house over other houses. It seems super cool. It looks like uh, it looks great as far as component goes uh, pieces mm-hmm. go. It is only weighted at two two point five on um, Board Game Geek with a eight point one rating right now, and it plays in forty five oh, okay. to sixty minutes. Which uh, the guy doing the review said he's like, if you can get a dedicated group of friends to play this game, he said it's his favorite of every legacy game he's ever played. Dang, that is some uh, high praise. Yeah. Uh, Favorite so, of every legacy game ever. It's published by uh, Horrible Games, who just changed their okay. name, and I forget. Um, and Lorenzo Silva is one of the designers, and Hallmar Hawk is the other one. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to be checking this game out if that it's is, at PAX. That is very, very interesting. Uh, is it okay if I add something? Of course. Okay, so... no. Don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> your <laughs> well, face. you're like, I got, a, I got a place to go. Let's do this. I got places Let's get it to rolled be. up. Um, horrible Guild. I think mm. is what Horrible Games is Thank now. You. I think is what it was. It is, the yeah. new is like horrible G something still. Okay, so friend of the show, very good friend of the show, uh, William Herkovitz has yeah. updated his popular mechanics 50 best new board games list. As you may know, we are big fans of this list. We regularly talk about how good it is. Uh, he has made some changes to the list, so I would encourage you to go check it out. The biggest things to note is that he has added Res Arcana, Tiny Towns, Jaws, Chronicles of Co- Chronicles of Crime, and Pipeline, plus the first expansion for Game of Thrones, Mother of Dragons. So those are all now on the list. Definitely go to Popular Mechanics website, check out their list of 50 best new board games that are on there. Because uh, I still think that it is an absolutely spectacular list that he has put together. Yes. No matter how much but crap you give him. No, I was, <laughs> the one, you will not find Mystic Veil on the list. It is true. I will say, you like to take credit for lots of things, so I'm going to take credit for Jaws being on that list. <laughs> you take credit for Jaws being on that list. Absolutely. You take credit for that. So, with that being said, though, and again, yeah. we support William. We support this list. We think it's great. Uh, Josh, I think someone's trying to come for his lunch. Have you heard about this? No. <laughs> oh, Paste wait. Did I? Magazine. Paste. Paste Magazine posted their list of the 25 best board games of the 2010s. Okay. So Paste Ooh, Magazine. Did I see this? Was it terrible? Um, I, I don't think it's terrible, but I'm going to go through the list here briefly, unless you want to look it up on your own. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll, okay, I'll so I'll it. go through, and it's only 25, so I'll go through pretty quickly, listeners. So the 25 games, 25 to 1, they have uh, Broom Service, Welcome to, Zolkeen the Mayan Calendar, Whistle Stop, Gizmos, Terraforming Mars, The Mind, Patchwork, Istanbul, Kodama the Tree Spirits, King of Tokyo, Charterstone, Sagrada, Emotep, New Bedford, Everdell, Takenoko, Great Western Trail, Seven Wonders Duel, Pandemic Legacy, and then the top five are Azul, Splendor, Castles of Burgundy, Wingspan, Seven Wonders. Wow. Seven Wonders so, came out in the As 2010s. number one, as the, as the best game of the 2010s, according to Pace Magazine, and I want to give proper credit to the author, who is uh, Keith Law, is the person who authored that article. It's it just got law. posted today. What are your, when you hear that? What do you what do you think? Does that sound 
legit? Does that sound not great? What are your What are your thoughts? It doesn't sound bad. Um, I mean, shout out to William who does fifty four times a year, and they do twenty five in ten years. So I mean, a little shade at Pace Magazine. Well, from and I'll be honest, William. <laughs> well, right, and I'll be honest. I actually didn't realize how much uh, tabletop stuff they have written. There's a decent amount. It's not a ton, but every, yeah, they, they have a Gen couple, Con list. A couple things, yeah, they have a couple things a, li- a month that they do, which I didn't realize Pace did that much. But overall, any surprises? Solid list, do you think? What I mean, are, what are your thoughts? I love Seven Wonders. I don't know that it's the number one game in the past ten years, mm-hmm. um, but it is a great game for sure. I don't, I well, don't see Welcome Two on that list at all, though. <laughs> or maybe Broom if you Service. Pl- maybe if you had played Seven Wonders correctly. Maybe I would hate it. You'd have a higher thought of it. Yeah, I might also not like it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Kyle. I deserve that always. I'll never not deserve that. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, it's good. It's good that that board games have more attention, period. Um, Right. And, you know, you see other people doing it. I think that I will say this. They it's. There are some board game lists out there that are definitely uh, out of touch by someone who probably doesn't play board games. I right. think that this list is pretty good um, in comparison to that. So I don't, I don't think it's a bad list at all. Right. Uh, but there's definitely some games I would not even, wouldn't even make my top 100 games in the past 10 years. So. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting overall, like you said, I think it is a pretty solid list. There are, as you did say, a couple, I think odd inclusions on the list. But I also think the list tends to, there are obviously exceptions, tends to be quite a bit lighter. Obviously, you do have Terraforming Mars and Zolkeen and um, what else was I looking for? Great Western Trail. So there are heavier games for sure on here. But I think overall, the list tends to sway a little lighter, which isn't bad. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, But I think that this... You know, there's a certain style of gamer overall I think this list would um, kind of gravitate towards. And again, nothing wrong with that. Just not quite exactly where I would put it. But still, overall, with a few exceptions, pretty solid list of games. Yeah, for sure. I definitely you know, agree and with I, that. And I think it does go to show that even a little more mainstream or a little more other uh, publications are, are definitely putting more time and more thought into uh their work with board games which is always very cool to see yes okay so there was the thing i wanted to add but uh you know we're going to continue to champion williams list not just because he's a friend of the show but i still think it legitimately is like the best list out there uh but if you're looking just for something different and want to check out a different perspective uh pace magazine like i said has their 25 best board games of the 2010s and you know josh soon the listeners will be able to talk about how bad we are at making lists because we are going to talk about our favorite games of the 2010s and not all that long yeah, and I'm sure people hate those because Breath of the Wild <laughs> probably will not be on there. Uh, Breath of the Wild definitely will not be on mine, <laughs> but that is okay. Uh, anything else from the board game side you want to talk about, sir? No, I wish I just wish I played more board games. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. Preach. I did get to play more Skull Callo. And let me tell you something, Josh. I really like that game. I know. Oh gosh, I got to buy like it already. <laughs> so sorry you don't know French. I apologize. Uh, I know. But huh? it was great. <laughs> But if I just so. have you send it to me, and then you take pictures of all your individual cards, and then I get a label maker, 
and just stick her over <laughs> all of the cards. I mean, we could we could try that. That is a thing we could potentially do. All right. Well, we'll move on to to, to some video game things. Uh, and I like that you how you labeled labeled this death spoilies. <laughs> so Death Stranding has released its launch trailer, and it is not short. It is a very long launch trailer, yeah. clocking in at I think eight ish minutes. So very long for a launch trailer, and people have said it's a little bit spoilery. So I haven't watched it. <laughs> Because I am definitely playing Death Stranding. But, yeah, we're only a little over a week away from the new Kojima game. How are you feeling, Josh? Well, I did watch the trailer, all eight minutes of it. Did you find it to be spoily? I couldn't make heads or tails out of anything that was happening, so it's definitely not spoilery for me. <laughs> Excellent. Good to know. Uh, in fact, I had more questions after watching the trailer. Uh, so one thing I can tell you, yes. it is not a spoiler, period. At the mm-hmm. end of the trailer, they do, um, you know, like the whole kind of cast, like like Norman Reedus, Guillermo del Toro, and they do like uh, fate, like like basically like the TV show. Right. Is this where they're all crying? They're all crying except for yeah. one person, <laughs> and it's like eight people. I was like, everyone is. I don't remember. There was one person who wasn't crying, and I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Guillermo del Toro. Uh, there's definitely, I will say this, there is definitely more insight to what resembles a story. So that could, I guess, be perceived as some spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um, but then something really weird happens that makes you maybe not think that what you know is what you saw or something. It's very bizarre, of course. Right. Um, I mean, it looks good, man, but I, I don't know what this game is. It looks to me like a walking simulator in third person, though. <laughs> well, you were really excited about this. You're a big Kojima fan. I still am excited. Okay. But I'm I'm getting worried that that I, that I, I'm worried. Well, I'm either going to think this is the greatest game that has ever been made. Or I'm going to hate it. I really feel like I'm not going to be anywhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting because, you know, the review copies are out there and people who have copies that they're playing for review can say that they have them, yeah. but they can't talk about the game yet. And I have never seen so many people talk about being excited to be able to talk about a game, <laughs> which means something. Yeah, It means one of two things, probably. <laughs> So I'm very much looking forward to November 1st and what all of those things are and everyone's reaction because I'm very interested to see, you know, how this game is received and what critics have to say. I'm not a huge Kojima fan. I've talked about that before. I'm definitely not as in his camp as others, but I am very curious as to what this game is. Yeah. So, and just so you know, Josh, I haven't told you this, but I didn't want to confirm with you. Even though it's being released on PC, I did not cancel my pre-order. <laughs> so you will still get to play the game. It's okay. okay. So back in 2015, when they announced their partnership and said the game was a console exclusive to PS4 and would be released on PC when they announced the thing way back four years ago, that is coming to fruition that they said was going to come to fruition. That people, thing we all should have known. People are still very mad. <laughs> sure. That makes sense to me. <laughs> so I didn't cancel our pre-order, just so you know. And if you are someone who's upset... I mean, you have every right to be upset, I suppose, but <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, you do. You technically do. You could, if you purchase something, and you 
didn't have all the information you felt you should have before you purchased it. That's you have the right to be upset about that. But in this case, the information was available and has been available since December of 2015 or whatever that was. Yeah. So someone didn't believe me that that was true. So I literally just Googled PlayStation Kojima Andrew House announcement or whatever. And there was an article from Business Insider was one of the first things that came up. And it's bullet it's bullet points <laughs> about the announcement. And one bullet point is this is a console exclusive to PlayStation. The next bullet point is the agreement is only for console exclusivity. So the game will be coming to PC afterwards. Yeah. So I don't know how much more clear you can be. I console exclusive is very specific. Yeah. A PC, I guess it's technically a console. Well, no, because yeah. it doesn't need a console to run. Right. You can run it without a console. <laughs> Correct. Uh, speaking of Gilmar del Toro, though, uh, are you excited about his Pinocchio movie? <laughs> not now, I'm not, but probably when I see a trailer, I will be. Okay. Uh, I have uh, the utmost confidence in him and everything he does. However, yeah, by title alone, it is not interesting to me. However, grim fairy tales are super interesting to me, and I right. can only imagine that that's where it's going to go. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm interested just because I think Guillermo del Toro is a very interesting writer and director, so I'm very interested to see what that turns out to be. I still hey, need to see a... Crimson Peak. I haven't seen that one yet. Mm, I do have Crimson. I have seen Crimson Peak, and I'm not much of a horror person, but I saw it. It was good. So, All right. Uh, next news story. Josh, there's a game you've been playing and a game that I've been playing. Uh, it's a pretty small indie title. Most people ha- probably haven't heard of it. Uh, called Call of Duty. Uh, Modern Warfare. Mm. Um the the new one, not the old one, not, not Call of Duty Four, <laughs> yeah, not Call of Duty Four. So it's uh it's selling real good, Josh, real real good. It has earned, according to IGN, more than six hundred million dollars worldwide and has broken multiple sales records in its first three days of release. Uh, announced by Activision, Call of Duty Modern Warfare's impressive first three days has earned it the following records. Here we go, jot these down. It has become the top-selling new premium game release of 2019. It has now sold more units in the first three days than any other Call of Duty title this console generation. That's crazy. It had the biggest-selling digital opening in Activision history. It set a PlayStation 4 record with the highest digital sales in the first three days. And it had the biggest Call of Duty PC launch ever. That's a... It's pretty good, Josh, for, you know, a game that if you look at the top 10 games sold on PlayStation or Xbox, half of them are Call of Duty games. Yeah. And now here's the new one, basically selling better than all of those have. That's uh are you surprised by this? Did you think it was going to sell this good? I am surprised. Um, some of those, uh, I'm not like the digital thing. Like every year, I mm-hmm. think we're going to see someone breaking digital sales because that's just right. the, the generation we're in now. Um, the fact that it beat all of the Call of Duties in three days is insane to me. Um, right. And I mean, 600 million, it is surprising to me, but I try to remember, I think like uh, Red Dead did like 800 million or something. So like, I know that it, it's still a crazy high number, or I may even be thinking of Grand Theft Auto V, um, but that's still crazy high. And that's very impressive, for sure. Um, the PC sales is interesting, too. Uh, 
I think that the cross platform play is definitely part of that for all the consoles. And I think the PlayStation uh, thing, because they have the exclusivity, really helped them with those digital sales as well. For their one mode, they get. Still, people look at that. I, you know, it's for a year. It is for a year. Like, that's a big deal. It is. Because you're gambling for the people, like, on launch, you're gambling whether that's a good mode or a bad mode. So if you have the ability to get it on both consoles, why not PlayStation? Right. Maybe after the game comes out and you see people playing that specific mode and realizing maybe it's not as good as you wanted, then you Mm -hmm. can make that informed decision on if you need that exclusivity. But for people who pre-order games, that's that's a big deal. Have you heard anyone talk about the Spec Ops modes at all since launch or specifically the survival mode that's exclusive to PS4? No, no. I mean, people have been talking about ground, ground war or ground right. warfare or whatever it's called. Uh, however, having played the spec op modes in the previous Call of Duties with my brother, mm-hmm. I absolutely love them. So right. that, no, they're fun. For so sure. for me, that would have been a, a selling point. But I haven't. But to be honest with you, I haven't really heard people talking too much about the game, except for that a lot of people aren't enjoying the multiplayer because it changes the formula of Call of Duty. Oh, yeah. The multiplayer, yeah. I, oh, but the guys I, I work had, with absolutely love the multiplayer. It's fun. I'm having fun playing it. I'm actually playing... I haven't played I haven't played any Overwatch since Call of Duty came out. Wow. All I've been playing is Call of Duty multiplayer. Well, it's because you're waiting for Overwatch 2. I mean, we all know. <laughs> I know. Supposedly <laughs> before the end of the year. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing Call of Duty. And it is interesting because I was really struggling at first. And I thought maybe I just was old and I'm bad at games now. Because overall, I was not doing very well. But in the last couple nights, I have significantly changed my weapon loadouts and what I was doing and how I was playing to something to a style I never typically play. And things are going way better now. So I don't know if it was just a style thing for me uh, or what it is. I will say, though, that ground war mode is a cluster. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> oh, I don't know how people have fun playing that because it is just hectic. It is so hectic. But, yeah. Hey, I was going to ask you something about Call of Duty. Oh, yeah. Here we go. So, Call of Duty League. You know how that's a thing, right? Yes. Similar to Overwatch League, but it's for Call of Duty. City-based. Uh, Twin City Minneapolis has a, a team, which I'm pretty excited about. Here's the thing that I just learned that I probably should... That, in retrospect, I did recognize there was an announcement about this. And I read the announcement, but I don't think I really realized what it meant. Do you realize that the Call of Duty League is being played on PS4. Oh, no, I didn't notice. So the professional, yeah, the professional teams are playing Call of Duty on PS4 for the league, not PC. That's weird. Right. I agree. That, wow. Uh, That must be a deal they made with Sony, like, behind the scenes. Because that's huge for Sony. I know. I was really surprised. And the reason I even came across it is uh, the Minnesota team announced their name. They're the Rocker. And the Minnesota Rocker. Um, or it might be Rooker, but I think it's supposed to be Rocker. Um, it's R with the O with the line through it. Yeah. K-K-E-R. So I think it's actually technically Rocker, but it might be Roker. Anyway, neither here nor there. So they announced it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'll follow some of the Minnesota players on Twitch and all this other stuff. And one of them was playing on PS4. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Why is he playing this game on PS4? Wow. So then I went and looked, and sure enough, 
I remember reading the press release, but I guess I didn't really realize what that meant. I just thought it was some small tournament thing. I didn't realize it was the actual full Call of Duty League is being played on PlayStation. That's cool. I mean, that's a good sign for consoles. Um, but I can't imagine any serious PC player ever joining that league. Yeah, and that's what I'm interested in knowing is the people, because I didn't follow, follow competitive Call of Duty, I have no idea if the people who are playing were PC people who are trying to make the Switch. Are they going to let them play mouse and keyboard on PS4? Do they have to use controller? These are the things I don't know. Yeah. So I'm sure it says somewhere I could look it up, but I just haven't done that yet. Sure. That's interesting, though, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Other interesting note, video game-wise, uh, the PlayStation 4 is now officially the second best-selling console of all time. Did you see that? I saw that today, yeah. Good for think, them. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think... And the, did you think we'd ever get another console that sold that well again? You know, when we rewind Ooh. back to the end of the 360 PS3 era, and we knew these new consoles were on the horizon, and everyone was talking about how consoles were dead. Did you ever think we'd have another console sell $100 million? No, uh, I didn't because there's seemingly, I want to say there's less options, but there's probably the same amount of console options as there always has been. I think it's always been the three. Uh, For some reason, it just seems different. Um, We're just in that generation where people can typically only afford one of the consoles. Um, I think that's that's a general statement that I don't know the Mm -hmm. answer to. So, what really confuses me in this... Well, so it doesn't confuse me. So, Xbox One versus PS4, I get that. Because these are strictly gamers. PlayStation's pretty much been a solid choice for gamers ever since PlayStation 2. Right. And Microsoft has been all all over the place, console. Mm-hmm. So, so, I get when people want to stick to their console... For me, the multimedia guy, I still don't understand why someone would own a PS4 Pro over an Xbox One X because you cannot play 4K movies on your 4K console. That still boggles my mind. So that's the only hindrance, the only negative I give to PlayStation in that category where I feel like the X should sell more. But I I really feel like we're still waiting for Microsoft to step it up and become that console because I feel like PlayStation 5 will just be what PlayStation 4 was. Well, I think, you know, the release of The Outer Worlds and the positive reception that game is getting and knowing that Obsidian is now an internal studio to Microsoft, I think that has to be helpful for them. Sure, but that's a very specific audience. Um, but and I... it's turning people like me who weren't in that audience to them, but... I I also have to try it. And if you don't subscribe to Game Pass, you're probably not just going to try this game. Right. Yeah, that's possible. I do think, interestingly, kind of tied to that is the idea that... trying to think of the best way to put this. You know, we talked a lot about when Xbox One X was announced and when the PS4 Pro was out there and about how the Pro didn't have the 4K drive on it. And I said then that I thought that was a stupid decision on their part, that they should have put a 4K drive in the thing. Do you think maybe we overestimated the market for 4K Blu-ray players? Yeah, I think I did um, because one of the common things you see in Discord, our Discord, is when I mention that people 
some people just say like I don't even need it because I just stream movies in 4K. Right. Uh, I can tell you, you don't get the same quality from streaming a 4K movie as you do a 4K disc. Oh, you uh, definitely don't. But I understand that mentality for sure. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that 4K players are so expensive, I think people just have to come to that mindset that they, they, they don't need to spend that money. I wasn't right. spending $800 on a Blu-ray player when they first came out. That right. would have been crazy. Right. Uh, some people do that. So maybe this generation will be that the important 4K generation. And maybe Sony had yeah. it right all along. Right. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe don't put that 4K drive in and ask another $100 for your console. Maybe that was smart of them. But for me, where my 4K collection is growing, mm-hmm. um, while we have people in our group that say they can tell the difference between 30 frames and 60 frames in certain games, uh-huh. and I can't, I'm on the opposite end where they say they don't see the difference between Blu-ray and 4K, and I can only see the difference between right. 4K and Blu-ray. So I guess it's just in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. Uh, it, You know, I, I just, well, we'll talk about it in recommendations later, but... Um, if I can get a movie in 4K, I'm also getting the Blu-ray and I'm getting a digital code. So what do I have right. to lose? Uh, so I, I still prefer, but yeah, I, I think you might be right. I think um, I, my expectations for what 4K meant for this generation, well, sorry, this past generation of consoles was right. a little overblown. Yeah, I, I haven't purchased many 4K movies. I have purchased many of the Marvel movies in 4K. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't typically buy movies anymore. And I know this is going to be weird to a lot of people in this country. I rent a lot of movies. Sure. And my local video store, yes, I have one. Uh, <laughs> they get, if they get 50 copies of a movie in, and I only know these things because I used to work there. But if they get 50 copies of a movie in, you know, 30 three of them will be dvd and then they will get 12 in blu-ray and one 4k yeah you know so i think that and that's to me was still the biggest thing and when you'd go in there we'd run out of regular dvd before we'd run out of blu-ray and the 4k was like me renting it yeah you know like no one else did it so i do think and that is really where it gave me the perspective on the quote-unquote typical client of we all in the echo chamber talk about how great the fidelity is and how amazing the xbox one x looks and how impressive 4k movies look on it because it is without a doubt still one of the best 4k movie players on the market period gaming console aside it is exceptional at what it does but there i just think that there is not the 4k adoption that we think there is and i have people i have a lot of coworkers who have 4k televisions and still have blu-ray players and i keep <laughs> yeah. encouraging them to get a 4k and they're like yeah I don't want to have to rebuy everything. I already, and then it is the idea of I stream things in 4K. And then do you go through the process of trying to explain to them, well, compression and black colors and like going through how it's not exactly the same and, and trying to, and they just don't care because it still looks really good. Yeah. I want to get my you dad know? a 4K TV for Christmas. And then I was like, but then I got to get him an Xbox because it's cheaper than buying a 4K DVD right. player. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, I almost think of it kind of like the Nintendo 3DS. In that the the 3DS had games that looked good on it, but if you compared it to other handhelds, if you compared it to the Vita, the games on the Vita looked amazing. But the convenience, the library, all of the things that were just available on the 3DS, 
it didn't matter that maybe a different console looked better. It's yeah. just that this is the easy thing that has a lot of the stuff I like. So if it's easier for me to stream Netflix and it has a lot of the stuff I like, that's all that I need. I don't need the fanciness that, that comes associated with getting a 4K physical disc and all that good stuff. So uh, last news story I'm going to add, and then we can get on to our actual topic. We're going way longer than I thought we <laughs> would okay. today. That's okay. That's good. Uh, Josh, apparently nothing is coming out in spring anymore. Well... What an interesting thought. <laughs> yeah, who who knows what the heck is happening? Uh, uh, so I was listening to PSVG Prime. Yeah, and Donnie was talking about Ubisoft and what just happened. Mm-hmm. And he said something that really hit home for me. So Ubisoft for me is typically the best presentation of all of the E three ones. As far as like quality of games, consistency of of the show, um, and excitement factors, they literally just delayed their entire E three showing, as what Donnie said, yeah. and and he's right, and that's got to be the biggest E three disappointment ever. If you yeah. were excited about those games, <laughs> but like that's huge. Like, wh- like I I started to wonder how much did they know ahead of time. When they did the E3 presentation, did they know that those games were probably going to be delayed? Did they have that moment that Sony probably also had where they were like, we either do something or we don't do something? And then they chose the other way because that could have happened as well. Someone might have been just like, let's just show what we have, put some dates out, and we can always delay them. Like, it's really crazy that they delayed everything. Yeah, they did. They literally delayed I think every game just about they have announced yeah, in any way, shape, or form got delayed. <laughs> so they even delayed Skull and Bones another year. That game's going to get canceled. They delayed Skull and Bones to April 2021 at the earliest. Which means when we see it again, if we see it again, it will not be the same game we saw last year. No, it, it won't be. I feel like it's going to be completely different. So... Uh, I, you know, Gods and Monsters, I wasn't super surprised by because we saw next to nothing about that yeah, game yeah. and I've heard nothing since then. So then it was supposed to come out in February. So the fact that Gods and Monsters got delayed, not surprising. But Watch Dogs Legion, like, we saw a lot of that game. A lot of it, yeah. So that one kind of surprised me that that one is getting pushed. And Rainbow Six Quarantine, I guess I, I can see it getting pushed. That You know, I didn't feel either way about it, but I'm pretty surprised by the Watch Dogs delay, to be well, honest. The Rainbow Six thing... It's just a mod of a game mode that was already in Rainbow Six, so they should already have the structure for that game. Right. Well, and that's what's the interesting thing, too, is now that they delayed all of those games to between April 2020 and March 2021, they also had that roller derby game, which is slated for somewhere in that window, plus one other game that I can't think of, plus two other unannounced AAA games that are supposed to come out in that window. Yeah. So they could potentially be releasing three, four, five, six, seven games in a year. But, uh, seven! But it seems unlikely that that will happen. It does seem unlikely. We haven't heard anything about Beyond Good and Evil 2, though. They haven't mentioned that at all. So I think the safe bet for Beyond Good and Evil 2 is next-gen game. Oh, I think for sure. That is definitely next-gen at this point. But their problem is going to be if their other seven games are current-gen. That's going to be a problem for them. I mean, they—they they def- they're a company that's going to do a 
quote unquote update sure. or release day and date or something like that, right? But there's always this problem, even if they do a dual release or something like mm-hmm. it's available on both gens, that's still right. a problem for people. People don't like that. Yeah. You get a like, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with that because that happened with Destiny. Um, but it just, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's good PR. If you put, if you're really, if you're delaying a game and then, so in this circumstance, in this situation, you delay a game that was coming out on Xbox One X and then you say, okay, it's coming out on X and Scarlet. So now the people who have Scarlet are going to be like, well, do I want a game that they somehow tried to make look better on Scarlet, but it's really just an X game and they're going to ask me $70 right. for it or whatever the games are going to be. Um, cause I believe like destiny Two, destiny was like $10 cheaper on the older console generations than the current. So then we're going to get into that whole debate. So I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's opening the floodgates for issues, but right. you're going to delay a game. If you got to delay a game, you got to do it. Just maybe they showed it a little too early in right. general. So for the two unannounced AAA games, they said that they were from their quote unquote biggest franchises. Yeah. So I'm assuming Assassin's Creed. Sure. And is that Far Cry or is it Splinter Cell? Are we finally getting Splinter Cell? There's no way they're not working in a Splinter Cell game. Uh, so it's it's got to be Splinter Cell. You think so? Instead of Far Cry? It has to be. Okay. Ha- I really hope it's a new Rayman game. begging for Splinter Maybe it's Splinter Cell and Rayman. I would take that. Yeah. I mean, it, I would... it, they put Sam Fisher in um, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Mm-hmm. They put DLC for him in Wildlands. They got to be working on Sam Fisher. Right. Unless, unless it's For Honor 2. They're supporting the season version of that, so I think they're still good. I think they're still good. (laughs) Yeah. But in addition to that, then, The Last of Us Part 2 got delayed. Yeah. That was more surprising than anything else. We had in our Discord, which if you're not in our Discord, we'd love for you to join us. We have a lot of good conversations there. Uh, there were some rumors about a PlayStation title getting delayed, and a, a lot of people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right away jumped to Ghost of Tsushima and thinking it was getting pushed to PS5, and then there was some more murmurings, and then it kind of, I don't want to say fully leaked, but those in the know basically said, no, it's The Last of Us, that people will be disappointed, but it's not going to be a huge delay, and people will get over it, which kind of seems what to be what happened. Uh, it's now coming out May 29th instead of that February date. Here's my question, Josh. What happened? What happened in the three weeks <laughs> that made them say, shoot, we need to delay this three months? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make sense if you look at the PR push they made right. to delay it. For, like, that was their coming out event, literally. Like, right. we are coming out on this day. Mark your calendars. Get your pre-orders in now. So I don't know what happened. Uh, something happened in the studio. Maybe someone hit all the four while they were finishing <laughs> the last story mode. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they had to rewrite dialogue and get the voice actors back in. Right. Um, whatever it was, it wasn't enough to delay the game a considerable amount of time. So right. I don't think it's gonna kill them, but it just is right. just bad timing based on their just releasing the date and getting everyone hype about it. Yeah, I was listening to, and I'm not going to remember who it was now, but I was listening to a podcast that had a former industry person on. I can't remember who the person was. But anyway, they said that 
they weren't totally surprised by this because probably what had happened is they said, okay, if everything goes according to plan, we can hit this date. But if this one thing happens or these one of two yeah. things happen, <laughs> we might need to delay it. But the chances of that happening are pretty slim. And then one of those two things happened. So they were like, yeah, like the, the, it's a calculated risk. You're, you know, the chances of that thing happening might be 7%. So do you say, okay, we're 93% certain we're going to hit this date. So don't you just announce at that point, you know? So, we saw that in the God of War documentary. They they yep. they were looking at that date and then they had to push it. And then yep. and it was better for them. And they still absolutely. just came in under the wire. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that God of War documentary is so good. Yeah. All right, so there, there we go. I derailed this long enough. <laughs> no, that's fine. So, yeah, that was exciting. But yeah, it was uh, kind of the day every game got delayed. So, do you think it's appropriate to be upset if a game gets delayed? What is there? Do you have a line between upset and disappointed? I think there's a difference between being upset and disappointed. Like I'm disappointed that Last of Us Two isn't coming out the day that it is because I already took the time off of work and now I gotta fix that. But I'm not upset. I'm disappointed. I think if you're upset by something like this, take a minute of your time and reflect on something else you can do to better yourself and your life in between the time you're mad it's not coming out and when it is coming out. Video games are important. They're fun, they're educational, they're emotional, but they're not the end-all, be-all to everything. Go out, take a walk for three months. (laughs) (laughs) You can find something else. I I don't know that it's... Unless you're losing money, I don't know that there's ever a time to be upset about a game being delayed or canceled. Right. Disappointed? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, and, and unless you worked on the game, that's another, I guess, there's there's a few variables in there. Uh, right, for sure. I think if you're just a consumer paying 60 bucks for a game, you shouldn't be upset about stuff like that. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, another, so here I thought of another really quick thing. Did you see the video on, I, I know it's on the PlayStation blog, it might be elsewhere, about uh, the Marvel game, Marvel Avengers? Yes, I did. I did watch that video. Does that give you a better indication about that game? Do you feel better about the game after watching that video? I thought I did, but then it confused me because it shows all this hero customization. Yeah, there's a lot. But you're essentially there for characters you're not playing most of the game as. <laughs> so Maybe? I'm confused as to... I'm also confused as they show Kamala Khan as a child during, uh, yep. and then they show Kamala Khan as an adult. Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry, uh, Black Widow hasn't aged a day, and I'm confused at how that works. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we get older, every day of our life is a smaller percentage of it, so we just age a little slower. Unless you're fighting crime, you probably age quickly. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's very true. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I get a general idea of the game. They didn't really show too much of the main character. They really showed more of the customizable stuff than anything else. Right. Um, but it, uh, it looks interesting, question mark. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated the video because, again, in the Discord not that long ago, I was talking about how muddled I feel that their messaging had been about yes. this game, what you do, how it plays. Yep. And I think this video very clearly addressed all of those questions that I had. And I knew through watching all the different things, kind of, they basically confirmed everything I, I thought to be true. But I thought it was a very good, concise, clear picture of exactly how this game is going to play, what you are going to do, 
and what all the parts of it are. And you are right. There was a lot of time and it seems like a lot of upgrades and stuff for characters. It seems like we might not be playing very often, but they have seemed to indicate that there's going to be a lot of post game content that once you finish, you know, the main story, there's going to be a lot to do and there's going to be regular updates and stuff. So maybe that's all geared towards the end game and an eventual quote unquote raid or something like that. So anyway, go check that video out. If you're interested in Marvel's Avengers, Hmm. Supposedly coming out in May. We'll find out, I guess. (laughs) All right. Moving on to the topic of the show. Josh, it's not the first time we've talked about it. Video game entering the education system. Mm. Now, the Washington Post has picked up on it and may now be suggesting that players and parents are looking for tutors to help in the process. Will we see gaming become a class in the future? Can Josh and I now charge tutoring fees to make kids feel better about killing us in video games? Let's get into the finer details of this emerging trend. So, listener, there is a story in the Washington Post, like Josh had mentioned here, and I said Josh had mentioned because he wrote that little write-up right there for me, uh, about basically folks who are hiring tutors for their kids in Apex Legends, Fortnite, League of Legends, all of these games not necessarily that they want to go pro in them. They just want to get better at them. And maybe mm. they can use this to get into college and get a college scholarship and all of that good stuff. Maybe, you know, high schools are going to start having esports teams that you go to after school instead of basketball or hockey or whatever else you might have. Josh, how do you feel about this article? How do you feel about everything here? Confused. <laughs> Why do you say confused, sir? Because I don't relate to this school-wise, it's very confusing to me. I get it. I'm not confused in the fact that I don't understand why it's happening. I just, I'm confused as to how to feel about it. Um, they refer to they refer to a 13-year-old girl as a Fortnite veteran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that truly confuse me about someone getting $175 for 90 minutes of Fortnite training. <laughs> There's, and I I imagine it's how my parents felt about computers being put into classrooms. Right. To a certain degree. Uh, I mean, they do talk about the benefits to gaming, uh, which Mm -hmm. I understand as far as social, as far as um, hand-eye coordination, um, yada, yada. Uh, and I know that it's a big industry, but it's not like, well, you know, my, my first instinct is to be like, it's not like we're going to school and watching movies, but we absolutely are doing that. In fact, right. kids, people go to school to make movies. So I guess why not introduce video games into schools? It just paints this picture of Blade Runner <laughs> to me. <laughs> okay. Or Terminator too. Like, it's just it's just a very strange change for me to see in the schools. One of the one of the classrooms in my school, uh, in the cabinets, they have Oculus Rifts, Rift headsets. And I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa. Right. This is ne- I could never imagine this happening in the school, like when I was in school. And right, that's, for sure. And that's the problem. Like, my mentality is, like, quickly merging with my parents mentality and and that, i think that's just generally generationally that's what happens maybe it's because of the fear of becoming obsolete or whatever that is right 
but it also says it helps their self-esteem, helps them learn more efficiently. I do agree that video games and board games help with problem solving. Absolutely. For specific games. Yeah. So, I don't know, Kyle. What do you think? Do you think Fortnite is that game that kids should be playing in school? Do you think you're learning... Uh, well, okay. Let me rephrase that. Do you think a degree in video gaming is equal to or as better as an English degree? <laughs> well, it's a very loaded question. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> because I think, though, that you are starting under the basis that there is an inherent value to an English degree comparatively to sure, a degree. Fill in the blank degree. But I think that's, you know, when you, as someone who works in higher ed, you hear it all the time of people who don't want to go get a degree or parents who encourage their kids not to get degrees in art, because what are you going to do with an art degree? All right. So let me rephrase it. Uh, Five years from now. Yeah. Competitive esports are 10 times as popular as they are now. Right. Do you think they will start asking for a degree to be on that team? I don't necessarily know if they'll ask for a degree to be on that team or if they'd ask for a degree. I don't know if they'll necessarily be in the sport. Just like, you know, if someone goes to college and plays football in college before they go to the NFL, their degree is not in football. So they may, depending on the college they go to, they may earn some credit for being on the football team. Like they might earn a PE credit or something like that by playing that competitively, which could translate to folks like in video games being able to earn some credit from doing that, depending on how that school structure is set up. So I don't necessarily know about that. And I don't think also because there seems to be a bias towards younger people in these professional leagues yeah. that you go and if you're good enough, you make the money. And then if you want to, you go to college afterwards. Because by the time you're out of college, you might be too old for the professional league. You know, if you look at Overwatch, I think the over oldest player in the Overwatch league was like 26. Yeah. You know, and they had multiple people who, when they turned 18, got promoted from their contenders team to the quote unquote main roster because they just hadn't been able to play because they weren't 18 yet. You know, so, yeah, I don't necessarily have a huge issue with games being in school or being part of, even if it was part of a curriculum or an optional, I don't think mandatory, but an optional part of the curriculum. I don't necessarily have a huge issue with that, depending what specifically is being taught? Because if it is just how to get better at this game, maybe not ideal. But if it is, how do we work as a team? How do we communicate effectively when we're working as a team? Uh, if there's a problem, how does that interpersonal communication work out? And what do we do about that? Uh, how, who's the leader? How do you respond to that? How do you lead a group of people? How do we problem solve this situation? I think there are a lot of legitimate things you could do in a class tied to video games that, yeah, I don't necessarily have a huge issue with it, again, depending on how it's implemented. The one thing that I see uh, in common with everyone that they interview in the article is everyone else has a full-time job or part-time job besides doing this. Do you think if we start adding gaming into schools as far as, like, classes or teams... Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a, I don't know, like, so look at a football player, someone who goes to college, they get a scholarship to play football, and then it's one of those schools where they just pass them through all their classes so that they can play. 
and then they go play in the NFL and they get injured on the first day, and then they have no education background. Do you think this is something that we could see with pro gamers? So you said they just pass them through all their classes. Yeah, it's what, a generality. What, what, what school is that that does that? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, watch the movie Blue Chips. Basketball. It happens all the time, supposedly. <laughs> well, and also it's a little different in basketball because they have a one-year commitment rule. Right. Well, so it's a little different. In a fantasy situation where an athlete who may not be good in, in school and just goes for like liberal arts and they're the star athlete on the football team or basketball team, and they get passed through. They uh-huh. get hurt immediately, uh-huh. and they have nothing to fall back on. Do you could you see that happening for a pro gaming career? And is that something that should be not encouraged? <laughs> okay, so let me let me ask a counter question to that. Yes, if you have someone who goes to school for medical billing and coding, hmm. and then when they get out, they find out that the job market is completely saturated. Yeah. And there's no way for them to get a full-time job in what they have a degree in. How is that different? I guess you're right. I guess that's the same. Um, and that, I mean, and I know that that happens for many right. careers. So I guess that's a good point. That's a good way to look at it instead of the, listen, I'm in a sports town and what I said, I may not be true, but it is talked about a lot. <laughs> so that, maybe that, it's an urban legend, but that... That's something that people worry about, like for sure. I mean, and obviously, you know, since I work in higher education, I might have a chip on my shoulder about things like that. <laughs> and I love that you said liberal arts because you know what my bachelor's degree is in? Is it in liberal arts? Well, it's in uni- <laughs> my bachelor's degree is in university studies. Oh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> exactly. Well, long story short, long story short, I was a transfer student and I had enough credits to graduate. But because I was a transfer student, I would have had to do like X amount more time to get my degree in what i wanted it to say but i knew sure. i was going to get my master's so i didn't really care i just had enough credits to graduate so gotcha well i wasn't citing uh, liberal arts as a college <laughs> dropout um it's just something that you hear like people get when they don't know what they want to do or they oh, just want to they just want to get to the next stage of whatever it is for sure um and yeah i'm specifically referencing the shaquille O'Neal movie blue chips yeah. where he no, gets I know. I know. liberal arts degree just to get through yeah. And they just give them A or B's or C's. If you want to draw a real world comparison, just talk about how most Duke basketball players are sociology majors. Or I could just talk about Lori Laughlin or Felicity Huffman. (laughs) Or that. Or that. Uh, Here's the thing about that. Real quick. Sorry, I'm going to get my hair in soapbox here. (laughs) All they would have had to do is donate a whole bunch of money to that school and their kid would have gotten in. Yeah. That's all they would have had to do. That's it. Now, one can argue whether that should work that way. I agree. That probably shouldn't work that but way. But it's not cheating. But they could have, but they could have just done that, <laughs> yes. and then it would have been fine. Yeah, and they probably wouldn't have had to pay as much as they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. For me, what I, I think what I said is what my worries would be. Um, and I don't sure. think you should get any degree, which is why I don't have a college degree that you aren't passionate about. Absolutely. Um, if you don't know what you want to do. But I could see my son going to school, and I think I would dread having the conversation with him where he told me he wanted to major in pro gamer dumb, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't like I said, I don't know that that will ever become a major. Sure. I don't know that an activity will become a major, just like you can't major like I said, like you can't major in football, you can't major in key club. But you can you, know, you can like, major in football management. Or sports sure, management. Absolutely. 
you absolutely can. And there are schools that have esports management programs. That right. is a hundred percent a thing you can do. That just makes and me if, worry about the future of that that career. I know, and I know that esports has to start somewhere. I'm not saying it's going away. Right. Like right. Football had to start somewhere. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but maybe me and my generational state. Yeah. For I sure. just don't know that it's going to be around as you know competitive esports in 15 years. I mean, it 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 doesn't show any uh, sign of slowing down, but I just I don't know. That's just the data me, I guess, that worries about that. No, and I totally understand that. And I think that is absolutely something that people worry about for sure. You know, like I said, I have conversations with parents all the time about what their kid wants to do and and what they want to major in. But I think the hard part is, you know, when you think of the U.S. economy, what is the best job? What is the best thing to go to school for right now? Do you think what kids should go to school for today by the time you get by the time your son gets to school? Like some of the jobs that we have today aren't even going to exist and there are going to be jobs that exist we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I I still stick by do what you want to do not what you think there's going to be jobs in because mm-hmm. the last thing you want to be doing is being a, a custodian for the rest of your life. <laughs> hey, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that though. There isn't. There's nothing wrong with there that. There is not. But it's just but it's one of those natural. things where it's you... natural to want better for what better for yes. your kid or what you perceive to be a better life for your kid than you have. Absolutely. Like my parents told me that all the time. I, none of my family, like I'm the only person in my family with a master's degree because, you know, and my sister was the first one in our family to get a bachelor's degree. So that was a big deal because no one else in my family had ever gone to college before. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable in any way, shape, or form to think that. Um, but I also think that often when we think those things, um, we do that in a self-deprecating way uh, or in a way that it implies that what we're doing doesn't matter or isn't good enough. And that's completely not true. Sure. No, I get you. That makes sense. Uh, side note, well, it should be noted that Washington Post actually has a gaming section called Launcher. Yeah. Um, which is on their website, uh, which is uh, I'm surprised to see that. So, yeah, that's a new thing. Analysis. Yep, that's a new thing. Actually, uh, Elise Favis, who is one of the people laid off from Game Informer, is actually at uh, Washington Post now. Oh, they're probably going to get a bunch more people soon, too. So, yeah, so that's uh, their new thing. Uh, real quick, Josh, the one thing I thought was most interesting about this article is it talked a lot about how uh, a lot of these people who are getting trained and tutored and lessened up and all this good stuff, it is not because they want to go pro in any of these things. They just yeah. want to be able to beat their friends. And that's you weird think that's, to me. <laughs> I was like, do you think that's like, do you think that's cool? Because they kind of equated it to people who get golf lessons for fun or to be better or basketball camps to get just kind of better. But you know, when I was a kid and I was playing and I went to those things, I did it because I thought I was going to go to the majors someday. I didn't do it because I just wanted to be better than my friends. I thought I was going to play major league baseball one day. So is it weird? That's the part that I find hard of like, oh, I don't want to be a pro. I just want to be better than my friends. <laughs> As someone who took golf lessons uh, to just be a better golfer, uh-huh. that part of me gets it. Um, okay. But that's one game I'm learning that I can play the rest of my life once I know how to play it. And mm-hmm. this, I mean, it's fine. It's your, it's their money. If you want to pay $175 for less than a board game's amount of time of <laughs> learning how yeah. to play Fortnite. Woo. You are probably in a situation where you have friends 
or children or friends or nephews or friends who could teach you Fortnite for free just by going to a cookout. <laughs> so right. maybe just, I, I know when we go to my wife's families for Christmas, all the kids are playing Fortnite. I could literally just walk into the room and be like, guys, teach me how to be better at this. And they would right. love it. So don't pay someone. Go find a child that you know or know, or someone knows and just have them show you how to play a game and then you'll be better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm okay with paying Buy them McDonald's. <laughs> Ooh, but that is good. That is good. That is paying them for their service, I guess, yeah. in some way. I don't mind the whole paying thing necessarily. I do wonder though, and this is probably just because I don't know Fortnite as well as I do other games of, I can't imagine what a Fortnite coaching session is, is like build this faster. Uh, okay. Ah, uh, how do I build this faster? I don't know. How do I build this faster? Well, I can give you a quote, Kyle. It says, <laughs> yo, who was talking to um, this 13-year-old Fortnite veteran, he says over video chat to his niece, now what do I do? And apparently the 13-year-old said, quote, breathe, keep a level head and you'll get out of there, end quote. Uh, I don't know that I would have ever said a sentence like that when I was 13, so <laughs> good for that girl, but apparently... They know some stuff. They're ready to teach you. <laughs> you ever feel like an old man yelling at the sky when we talk about these things? Yeah, never more than today. <laughs> Specifically, this has made me feel the oldest I've ever felt. Yeah, I and I think partly that I work in college with a lot of people who are younger, it helps... <laughs> kind of keep me in tune with these things uh, and we do my, my community college we have an esports team so you know i i think i probably have some bias as a result of that and it's kind of nice you know when you are a community college and in the middle of iowa and you know you're i scroll through the esports results or i watch them play on twitch and they're beating you know usc and things like that it gives you a little sense of pride you know in in the things that are happening there so yeah, I think there are some advantages. And part of me also says that if this is a way that gets kids to go to school that they may not otherwise go to school, I think there could be some potential advantages there. I am someone who's a firm believer that some sort of education post high school is going to be helpful for people to achieve their goals. But that doesn't mean everyone needs to go to a four-year school. Right. That doesn't mean everyone needs to do those things. And I think more and more you are seeing tech schools and community colleges get involved in these sorts of things because realistically the startup cost is not significant. And, you know, it, it, it appeals to a lot of folks who are like, hey, I only want to do this for a couple of years because once I'm done with school, I got my degree in, you know, I did my two-year degree in welding or whatever it might be. And I want to go get a job and I want to work and I want to be done with this stuff and, and just move on. And this is a fun hobby like that I do on the side while I'm doing this. So I, I think there can be some advantages from that perspective to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I will be very interested to see how this develops and if esports management or things like that continue to become degrees or certificates that people can graduate from school with uh, and just how this industry is going to evolve because there clearly is money in it. Yeah. But I think the question I always have is, where does all the money come from? That's the part I don't get. Yeah, that's true. Um, I still don't understand <clears throat> uh, advertising dollars and sponsors, even from YouTube. So I, I can't even right. imagine how the gaming uh, aspect works. Yeah, it is pretty ridiculous. All right, Josh. Well, that is it for the topic of the show. Uh, we do have a listener question, though, which is awesome, considering our schedule for this show was really odd. <laughs> yeah. uh, why don't you take us through it, sir? 
Okay, so uh, Splig himself, Etopalicious on Twitter, he says, Halloween's tomorrow, which is true for us right now. Uh, what would be a nightmarish gaming experience? Friends bringing hot wings and ribs to Gloomhaven slash Keyforge night? Partner and kid out for the weekend and accidentally pack your console controllers? I mean, all those sound terrifying. Um, the, my most nightmarish gaming experience would be people on their phones constantly and eating liquidy residue foods. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Doesn't matter what game. Controller, board... If you're leaving sticky or wet things on things I own and potentially ruining them, and also not engaging in whatever game actively, like if it's not your turn, you don't pay attention, I don't even want to be your friend. Never mind, be a nightmarish experience for gaming. (laughs) I think for me, the first thing that came to mind is being forced to play a multiplayer game and having to listen to the chat audio. (laughs) <laughs> that you have to listen to what everyone else is saying that is a requirement that's, that's funny the, that's what came to my mind immediately <laughs> you have to play Fortnite, and you have to not mute your team for 24 hours straight <laughs> right right that so, would be horrible <laughs> that would be really rough i will say that his, uh doublelicious's uh suggestions here though are, are very good yes that the food at games is always scary um having the the console go somewhere where i have time to play it would be a big bummer those would definitely be scary things maybe potentially for trick-or-treating they get to walk into your house and they as their as their treat they take they take one of your games with them yeah something from your every (laughs) trick-or-treating just they they take randomly start taking games from your house that would be a bummer (laughs) a lot of candy this year come on into the gaming room room. (laughs) so all right, before we wrap things up, Josh, because we are recording, you know, a little bit later on a uh, Wednesday night, Curly, do you, I'm going to share a very brief story with you about how tired I've been lately because I think Ooh. this is kind of humorous and I hope our listeners enjoy it. So this morning, I always have to get to work a little bit early because we have a staff meeting right away at 8 a.m. And I maybe have, was up a little late the last few nights playing Call of Duty when I should have been in bed. So this morning I got <laughs> up, usual routine, let the dogs out, fed the dogs, jumped in the shower, did all of my stuff, got to work. Went to my staff meeting, did all the meetings I needed to do. Came back and sat in my office, and I was doing stuff. And then I went to the restroom, and when I was washing my hands. I looked in the mirror. I was like, oh, man, I totally took a shower this morning and did not wash my hair. Like, I just stood in the shower and, like, got my hair wet. And I did all of my other stuff, but I didn't wash my hair this morning in the shower because I was so tired and out of it <laughs> that I just forgot, apparently, that I didn't do that. Because... My hair looked really different. I was like, this is not what my hair is supposed to look like. It's a little greasy right now. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, man, I wish you want to bet. I don't remember at all washing my hair in the shower this morning. Oh, boy. So I'm going to try to get a good night's sleep tonight. So hopefully I don't repeat that. Tomorrow. Yeah, that's important. So with that, <laughs> let's wrap up the show with a recommendation for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, uh, but we do want to leave you with a recommendation, something we're currently into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners? Well, I finally got around to watching John Wick 3. So that's it's gonna, so good. That's going to be my recommendation. Uh, if you haven't seen John Wick 1 or 2, I recommend you watch those first. However, right. if you haven't seen John Wick 3 yet, and you have watched the first two, I do believe it's important that you watch the first two. You could still enjoy this movie without it, but 
you'd be doing yourself a disservice to a pretty well uh, ta- a told story, uh, even even as it, that it's ridiculous in certain aspects. Um, it really, I think it really just solidifies Keanu Reeves being like my favorite action slash actor of all time because he's not just good at the action and like you can tell by the commitment from like special features or stories you hear, but he often gets a very bad rap as being the woe actor. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly a phase of his life, but um, he plays this character like it was himself. He plays this character very well. And, and I love this character. Uh, It's just such a great film. And and there's so many, there's so many uh, new things. They, you know, he's constantly redefining these genres of movies he's in. And you've never seen in action movies and other movies, you've never seen some of the things they do in this film. Right. Um, and it's never boring. It's always exciting. It's always interesting. And in this movie, particularly, I didn't really know what to expect or what was going to happen for most of the movie, uh, which is a nice surprise for an action movie. Uh, so, yeah, it gets the highest of uh, recommendations from me. Awesome. So interesting thing about John Wick, I think at least, and maybe others don't follow, follow in this interesting, the original movie was made on a very, very small budget, uh, like $20 million or something like that for the original movie. It was very small. I think it's interesting that John Wick 1 came out and to did fine at the box office, but not amazing. John Wick 2 came out, did, did even better. John Wick 3 comes out, is one of the top 10 grossing movies of the summer. But none of the movies, as far as I know, have ever been on Netflix. I don't think they've ever been free on Amazon Prime streaming. Yeah. they Like, it's all people who are paying in some way that outside of their subscription services to watch these. Because I don't think they've ever been on anything. I can't recall seeing them on any streaming service at the moment. So, yeah, and that just has always boggled my mind about how well this series just grew and grew from word of mouth when there wasn't a super convenient way to watch them ever another interesting john wick fact do you know who the director of john wick one was what their background was they um it was uh chad's oh crap chad stiliski or whatever his name is but he's a uh stunt coordinator isn't he yeah he was he met keanu reeves on the matrix he was keanu reeves stunt coordinator and stunt double filming the matrix and then he directed John Wick. <laughs> yeah. Which is so, why the action scenes are so cool. Yeah. The action oh. scenes are incredible. I do love John Wick. The John Wick movies are so good. So John Wick 3, that is Josh's recommendation. Uh, my recommendation is something that I have slowly been working my way through for the last few weeks because I had never watched the, I had never watched the show before and I finally decided to give it a shot because I do like cooking a lot. I never, ever watched Top Chef, Josh. Do you watch Top Chef? I used to watch it all the time. Um, but since I got rid of cable, I haven't sought out to see if it's on like Hulu or something. That is how I'm watching it. It's on Hulu. That is how I'm watching it. Uh, and I kind of didn't realize how many seasons there are because there's like 16 or something or 17 seasons yeah, of Top Chef. Yeah, they do like one, sometimes two a year. Yeah, there's a lot of seasons of Top Chef. And it's been going so long that the original ep- seasons of it, the first three or four seasons, are not in HD. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't use film when they recorded them, yeah. So they are, you know, they have like the black bars on the side. They are very old. Uh, but I never watched the show before. And I am now in season six, I think. So I've been slowly working my way through. Top Chef's a pretty good show. It's kind of fun. And I always, you know, I, I'm a big fan of food and, and cooking in general. And they, they, there's a little bit of drama that happens in the show, but for the most part, they focus on the cooking and the food, uh, which is what I appreciate. So my recommendation is kind of Top Chef, but my recommendation more is even if there's something that's super old or there's a lot of episodes of, if it's something you've been meaning to watch, just give it a try. Yeah. Uh, this is a show I've meant to watch for a really long time and just thought I would never be able to get through it. And I literally have just watched it um, 30 minutes at a time on my lunch breaks at work. And I'm at this point now on like season five or season six or whatever. Uh, so yeah, if you if you find out you like it, uh, you can potentially get through it still. So Top Chef and or something maybe older that you've always been meaning to watch, just give it a try. Let its time be now, even if it's not in HD. Something funny about that. Uh we're watching, we're rewatching that '70s show on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know if it's a particular season uh, or if it's all the seasons, but it is a multicam yep. sitcom, and uh, for whatever reason, it, one of the cameras is using film and one of them is not. So sometimes, oh really? Sometimes there's a cut where it goes from HD to stretched, like blurry interesting in certain like scenes in like the living room and stuff i just started noticing it the other night so i don't know if it was just a couple episodes or a season or more but i just i just noticed it and it's very uh it's very interesting to see a cut in the middle of a continuous take where they change the camera and it's blurry and grainy (laughs) (laughs) that is super interesting all right, dear listener, that is our show for this week. Josh, what do you say we wrap it up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvgi at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji. So please use that hashtag as well on all your social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us that stellar rating, whether it's the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Josh Bones. My instinct was to plug Extra Life, but by the time you hear this, I will have already... Hopefully successfully lived through and successfully completed Extra Life. So, cool. That was a great time. (laughs) Um, And hopefully you caught my Mixer stream. And if you didn't, I'm sorry. But I will tweet from Board with Fiji's Twitter on Friday night and Saturday morning. uh, My link to Mixer so you can join in. I'm bringing my webcam with me. So I'll be doing some live streaming uh, of that event. Otherwise. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. 
as we get to the end of this year here. This episode release is November 5th. Uh, just note we are kind of putting things together. We're going to do our favorite games of the decade. We're going to do our end of the year awards. We're going to be looking forward to next year as well. So, you know, we're kind of getting down there for shows for the year. So those things are going to start happening. So if you have thoughts on that, please let us know because we'd love to include it. But remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.